What's up? Welcome to another episode of Don't Shit on the Bus. Joining me all the way from Winter Park, Florida, Neil Westfall. That's me. How's it going? Hi. I'm fucking fantastic. Absolutely amazing. Well, I look forward to catching up with you, but quick, let's tell everyone who we have on the show this week. We've got the wonderful Mark Bubb. And Mark works slash owns slash he does something really high up, and I hope he doesn't get offended for me not remembering his actual title, but he's high up at a merch company called Killer Merch. Full badass. Yeah, he went full badass. Just a full fucking bat. Does all. Can do anything. Mark Bub. Yeah, and Mark, Neil, and I have known for a very long time. Mark was actually the head of my street team for Victory Records back in 2006 when I started in the music industry. And Neil, how'd you meet him? I know we go over it in depth in the podcast, but tell everybody how you know Mark. He came to our first um, showcase at Victory Records. And so he was one of the people standing in the back of the room with the lights off with, you know, everyone from Victory judging us, um, watching us play for them and try to like impress them when we first started. So, I mean, probably 2005 or six or something like that, 2006, I think. And, uh, and then he took us out for drinks once we signed to Victory Records and kind of started us on our awesome relationship with victory for getting in trouble for hanging out with black dahlia murder (laughs) so that's how we became good friends that's awesome well yeah i think this episode what really stuck out to me was mark just has a lot of good knowledge because he's been through the industry and he's toured but at the same time he's maintained a position which is more office-based in some of his jobs which is definitely a viable path to either getting on the road or becoming part of the music industry and in this episode specifically we talk about how this pertains to the merchandise world and what merch looks like in 2021. And I mean, I think one of the cool things about it is you don't always have to be working with a touring musician, you know, like in the merch game, you can be working with an influencer, you can be working with comedian, you can be working with a YouTuber, you can be working with a cosmetic beauty phenomenon, you know, (laughs) Uh, and Mark kind of talks about doing all of those things. He goes in depth on what it takes to kind of run this company uh, and all the different avenues of success that exist in the merchandising world. So it's really insightful, really fucking cool podcast. Honestly, just it was awesome catching up with Mark and kind of seeing where life has taken him these days after working for Victory and a couple other places in between. So, yeah. Yeah, he worked for Victory. Uh, I think he worked for Atticus, a company called Jedediah, kind of jumped around, toured a bit. And like Neil said, it was really nice catching up to him. And I think something to take away from this is that the people you meet, for example, for me doing a street team or Neil getting his band signed, the people you meet at the beginning of your career, if they're in the music industry, they're probably here for a while and you'll see them jump around to other jobs. So, you know, it all goes back to networking of just make sure you keep in touch with these people because everybody's on their own path and you might, you know, I don't know how long it's been since you've had an hour long conversation with Mark, but it's been years for me, but catching up with him felt like such a normal, organic, not forced thing to do. And I enjoyed it. Well, it's, it's kind of how it is in this industry too. It's like, you don't, you go forever without seeing people. And then when you see people, you have to, you only get such a limited time with them. So you have to kind of go right back into normal life. You want to take advantage of that time with them. And so that happens a lot. And one of the other cool things about keeping in touch and not burning bridges is look at this. Like we had, we were able to call Mark out of the blue, be like, Hey man, we'd like to have you as a guest on our podcast. What do you think? And he just was like, yeah, of course, I'd love to do that. Yeah, It's because there's no there's no bad blood ever. It doesn't matter if you don't talk to someone for years. There's always opportunities down the road, and it's always going to be important to keep those relationships healthy. Who don't hit us back. 
And that's normal too. Yeah. So when people don't hit you back and that's not me calling out them or saying anything negative about them, that is just how it goes. And you know, if they do hit me up in the future, I'm not gonna hold against them. They're probably just busy. And I don't take it personally. Probably gonna kiss them on the face. Kiss them on the mouth. On their mouth. Oh, Jinx? I think. Yeah. yeah, cool. Okay, Neil, can I tell you something that I'm really proud of today? Yeah, please. Okay, you know what C4 is, right? Like the explosive? No, like the, well, kind of. It's a workout supplement thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I hadn't done it in like seven years, and I got some last night. I was like, I talked to my friend who's been doing Ironmans, which I know you kind of uh, dabbled in, if not did one. Correct me if I'm wrong. I just did a triathlon, no Ironman. Okay, but similar concept, right? Train really hard, do three things. They're not the easiest thing. Mm -hmm. You can't just do them. But after talking to my friend and thinking about you, I was like, all right, I'm going to do some pre work. I did half a scoop of C4 this morning, and I decided to push myself for as far as I could run. And keep in mind, my max distance I've been able to run in the past year is about a mile or two. Guess how far I went today? Okay. Uh, seven miles. 10.24. Holy shit. I tried to like guess a lot, but like not too much so that it, I was, it was still really nice when you said it, you know? Thanks. I appreciate that. I was wondering as you answered what went through your head prior to you saying it, I was like, he doesn't want to say 15 cause then I'm going to come up under and he's going to feel bad. So you, you did a good job of making me still feel. I don't know why my immediate reaction was like 73 <laughs> and I'm like, that's unrealistic even by like the craziest marathon. run. I was like, okay, uh, rein it back in. So I was like, all right, seven. <laughs> Hey, well, I appreciate it. Yeah, it was it was a fun little practice of mental and I don't know. It, it, I'm exhausted right now, but it felt great. A lot of that shit is mental. It's crazy. I mean, your body can do it. You know, like you save, like your body thinks you have to save all these reserves of energy uh, for living and, you know, whatever. So <laughs> Unimportant you, you really things. Only, I think it's like 40% is like what your brain allows your body to utilize energy wise. And there's like this 60% reserve kind of like existing in there. And it's like, if you use a hundred, you're obviously dead, whatever. But so like, I think a lot of people like go and do it and it's really hard for them to get into exercising again. Cause it, their body's like, nah, you can't do it. But then if you just push through that, that mental, you can fucking surprise yourself. One of the things I've been doing is, uh, Mary and I started doing this thing called hard 75. Have you heard of this? No, but it sounds nutritional. I think that it'd be really cool. And I don't know if you would be down to do it, but it'd be fun if we could like be like podcast, hold each other accountable, hard 75 or like, what do be you like do? let's do it. It's 75 days. You have to stick to whatever diet you choose. It doesn't matter. Like you could just be like, look, I'm not going to eat fried food or I'm not going to eat out or I'm going to cook for myself or I'm going to do keto or I'm going to be vegan, whatever you want to do. You set up your own diet, but it's two workouts a day of at least 45 minutes. One has oh, wow. to be outside. And then you have to drink a gallon of water a day and you have to read 10 pages of a book every day for 75 days. And so it's not really that hard, but I mean, it can be hard because obviously doing something for 75 days in a row is just developing hard. habits is the key, right? Yeah. But, and then the crazy thing about it too, is if you mess up on like day 34, you have to start over. And so the only way you can compete, complete hard 75 is to do 75 days straight, two workouts a day no skip on the diet, one gallon of water, 10 pages from a book. I've started over every single day. Uh, it's been today's day five of starting at day one for me. Yeah. How long have you been doing hard 75? Oh, just six years. Yeah. I'm fucking in great shape and I've read a lot of books, but I just can't drink enough water. I don't, you know, it's like somebody misinterprets it. They're like read the same page, 10 pages of the book every day. They're like, I have these pages memorized. I don't even read the book anymore. I can recite it. Yeah. I think it'd be cool. God I don't know if you'd it. be up for it, but my thing that keeps getting me is uh, the first day I forgot to read and the second day uh, I, I did it. The third day it was raining all day, so I didn't work out outside. Today 
I'm just gonna I'm gonna do it and then get to day two. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, I think that I could like. For me, it's never a matter of like, can I do it or can I not do it. It's does my life allow for me to set these goals reasonably? And I think they're reasonable for me. It would probably be two 45 minute workouts in a row, right? It would probably be. I don't know if that's allowed. You can do that. That's what I do. I okay. just do an hour and thirty minute bike ride, and it's outside, so that's okay. Winner. That's how I look at it. And if they don't think so, I'm going to be mediocre 75 instead of hard 75 because it's not exactly what they said. You know, it's just like a little bit less hard Soft 75. 75. Uh, my run was two hours and four minutes today. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like that would have totally counts. So all you got to do is just drink a gallon of water, read 10 pages, and then, I don't know, do some diet shit, whatever you choose. It's funny you said that because before the podcast, I always think about things I want to tell you about. And the other thing I was going to tell you about is that I got a camelback and I'm going to start wearing it around the house. So this works really well. I, drinking a gallon of water is really fucking hard. Is it? It's just harder than you think. I mean, like, it, it's harder than you think to do every day. It has. It's a conscious effort. It's, it's just, not like a thing. It's just a lot. You piss a lot is all I'm going to say. Like, it's that's the most annoying part is, like, how much you're like, God, I got to fucking piss. You know, and it's like, all right, I'll drink this. I'll just chug this, whatever, whatever, whatever. I don't know. But, yeah, that was the hardest part for me. And I got to figure out how to read. So that was the other thing. Oh, um, you don't know how to read at all? <laughs> this could be difficult, my friend. I'm using picture books. They didn't say anything. I'm just getting through 10 pages of Amelia's picture books and... Amelia Bedelia? And we have that book for her, yeah. Oh, Amelia, I also forget that's your daughter's name. Yes, it's a human that I created. It's their name. You, uh, okay, cool. Well, I apologize. I, I, I don't know why I went to Amelia You haven't Bedelia. got to meet her yet. That's why. Yeah, I need to get her in great. I need, I have like seven, I leave Florida for a year and I, well, not leave. I haven't visited Florida for a year and everybody's multiplied. Yeah. By Jeremy's a factor got of like two. two now and Alex is about to have one. Josh has one. I have one and Kevin's got some Doritos. Are you talking about that picture from Minneapolis? Yeah. I knew exactly what you were talking about. He I'll put it on the Patreon. still has those same ones. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Well, that is all our chit chat we've got for you today. Good catching up with you, Neil. Yes. I, uh, let's say, oh, we do have a new patron. Oh, what's their name? Their name is Matt. I thought it was going to be a girl, but I guess Matt could be a girl. Yes. Matt could be a girl. We do not discriminate and we are happy to have your support. So thank you so much. We will see you on the discord. Let's get it. This is Mark Bubb. He's fucking amazing. This is such an awesome conversation. A ton of great insight. Even if you're not into touring, he's just a fucking badass guy. So yeah, awesome let's do it. Catching up with him. Here we go. We figured we'd get into it by, first of all, saying welcome. Yes, welcome. Th thanks for having me. I'll be honest, other than some YouTube videos here and there, uh, this is the first like official kind of pod I've done in years. So Awesome. And I can't think of anybody better to have it with because obviously knowing you guys, and uh, I'm pretty comfortable. I've been asked to do a bunch, but I'm just like, yeah, that seems like a trap. I'm, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> We're going to get you to talk about a bunch of weird stuff on here. No, it's going to be Won't great. be the first time. <laughs> I like that term, a trap. I use that when describing things that happen on tour. It's like, this seems like a good idea. All the normal markers are there that this is a good idea. But in fact, you're going to get screwed. <laughs> uh, depending on what we talk about. Yeah. I mean, we, we get a lot of that with what I'm doing. So um, it, it's always interesting. I'm putting it on the list for somewhere in the conversation. I'm going to bring back. Tell me about some of the traps that people try to pull you into. I was going to say, Neil and I were briefly talking before this. I was like, Neil, how do you know Mark? And I thought I had a cool story, but Neil has a pretty cool story. Yeah, I mean, I was like, you were at the showcase that we played for Victory Records, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, like, from the beginning. I was at most of those. 
uh, I remember we did, we did like four that week. You guys are all on tour. It was like four letter lie, like, uh, on the last day or something like that. And you guys, and we just did a whole bunch and, uh, but yeah, no, I, I went to a lot of those back then. We knew right away where it's just like, all right, guys, everybody just start throwing, throw some paperwork around here. We need to work with this band. But, uh, you know, what was that? 2000 fucking three, 2000, I think it was like 2006, six. Yes, yes, yes. That's right. But so, I mean, it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. It was, I mean, for those who don't know, we, we went a day to remember and showcase for victory records. And what that kind of was, was like, you're set up your stuff and you're in this dark room and then people just like walk in and they go, okay, play. And then you like, don't talk to them or anything. And then you, you play like four of your songs and then they just walk out without talking to you. And then you just go, did we fuck that up? <laughs> and then, uh, in our case, we waited like a week before we heard anything. Cause we were, we were staying with double J and, uh, we were like, how did it go? He's like, I don't know. You know, we don't know yet. You know, uh, Tony will probably reach out to you. And he's like, and then the, he took us out to dinner and we're like, oh shit, he took us out to dinner. And we didn't have to pay for it. That's probably a pretty good sign. <laughs> which is, which at that time was rare in of itself. <laughs> He's like, I've never done this before, but Tony said I could take you guys out. And we're like, okay, this is pretty sick. Okay. We're, uh, we're getting food. That's like, I think we went out for pizza. Mm-hmm. I think I was there and I took Tom out for beers afterwards. <laughs> we went out with uh, Black Dahlia Murder and we got Oof. in trouble for going out and hanging out with Black Dahlia Murder because they're on another label, probably. Yeah, because they didn't sign to Victory Records. That that was very the mentality back then. But yeah, I mean, those showcases were so strange. And I probably did about 30 of them in my time wow. in the office when I wasn't wow. touring. A wide range of bands. I mean, I saw, you, you know, from, uh, well, after you guys, I mean, Amir and, and, and a lot of the bands that were signing at that time. And it was always weird, man. Like, no one ever... No one ever talked to anybody, you know, or just there, there was some, you know, you got three songs. I was in a couple mm-hmm. where after half a song, we all had to leave. What? What? Yeah, and I was like, dude, this is so disrespectful. I can't believe we had, <laughs> but, but like, you know. Why'd you yeah. have to leave? You just did what you were told at that time. I was like brand new and right out of college. I'm like, is this how the fucking this works? Like, cause this sucks. But you know, <laughs> Wait, that's so that's like. All- the person that is above you at your label was like, this is so bad. I'm directing everybody here in the showcase to walk out now to send them a message. That's what's happening. I mean, I don't think it was about sending a message. I think right. it was more so about, Sorry. there was this weird belief back. I mean, this, this wasn't just a victory thing. This was kind of in the music industry at that time. And I won't name other, all the labels kind of has, not all the labels, but a lot of labels had this kind of feeling where it was just like, we were working really hard. We're not wasting time. It was it was kind of a weird time coming out of that like hardcore world. You know, I came in doing Hawthorne Heights and in Thursday at Treyu. That's like really when I kind of got in there. Um, it was funny because Shane, I have a funny story about Silverstein, uh, but uh, that's when I was touring. And then I got into the label. I was in the office. Um, even to this day, I have a lot of people hit me up uh, from they're in school and they're like, I want to talk about like my future and what I want to do. I'm like, it's not what you think, bro. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, it's going to be a different experience every place you go. And a lot of, a lot of big personalities. I, I think that's the easiest way to say it. It's probably the nicest way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's early. It's early in this whole thing, you know, we'll, no, we'll I mean, see where it, it goes. It's you're right though. It's like, that's probably some of the best advice I've heard too. Cause it's like, you get into this industry and it's not like anything else. There's like a bunch of other parallels, but it's really like each situation is so unique and you are, you're working with personalities it's big personalities like it's either people that used to be into music and didn't work out or now they're like older and this is what they're doing with their life they start a label they're doing all these different things but they come from probably the performing side of it you know like 
it takes a big personality to kind of get to that point, I think. You know, as far as advice and that for people that are coming up and wanting to do that, it's about having a personality. And, and this is why Adam thrived from the early age. I met him uh, back in the day, but it's like, <laughs> you have to be able to get along with people. And it's not like um, going to an office and like Jill from accounting, right? It's just like, people are going to be dicks and some people are going to be cool and some are fucking psycho, but you still have to maintain the waters unless you own everything. Right. You have to be able to deal with all those people. And that goes for tour managers. That goes for stage managers. I mean, we've all kind of dealt just to be like, all right, well, we're putting up with this person for 30 days. And then I never want to see that person again, you know, <laughs> but it's, so it's just like being able to like understand, read people, have a personality that, you know, you know, when to shut the fuck up, but when you should, or have an opinion when you should. And, uh, you know, it, it, when you have that, you, you rise pretty quickly. Yeah, and I just want to take a second to say thank you, Mark, for getting me into the music industry because whether it's known or not, Mark was my boss at Victory Records when I was on the Victory Records Dream Team. He is a fellow Midwesterner from, you're from Wisconsin. No. Yes. Yes, I am. Yes, yeah, I am. and then you moved to Chicago. Then I moved to Chicago. I'm from Madison, Wisconsin. Mark, what city are you from in Wisconsin? It's like Sheboygan. It's probably like hour and a half away from Adam. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so he used to send me, street teams don't exist as much anymore as they used to, but the, this was before MySpace initially. MySpace yeah, was created. Let's not date me too much, okay? It's not, that, <laughs> hey, it's not that far back. <laughs> MySpace existed. Uh, but he used to send me posters and CDs in the mail. And the funny part is, is Mark sent me an EP or a sampler with a data member on it. And that's how I learned about a data member. And that's how I really got involved in the music industry. So there's a lot of pieces here that I'm very thankful for. And it's cool to, I know we've connected multiple times since then, but it's cool to have you on like the podcast. And I just want to say thank you in front of witnesses. I remember when that sampler was put together. That's so crazy to like kind of put those dates into my time frame as well. Yeah, see, well, actually what happened is we had a showcase for Adam to be on the street team and he had to come into this <laughs> no. little room and, ha and hand out samplers on a stage. And then we walked out. We were like... He's got great etiquette. <laughs> there was, um, you know, and that was a different time. Adam's right. Again, that's like, has to go back to what I was saying about just like being able to talk and have connections. I mean, uh, there's a bunch of guys uh, and girls that I still am connected to, whether they made it into an industry that that's similar to mine or not, but from Florida to Texas to New Jersey, one of the girls from New Jersey, you might remember Tara, funny enough, but she works on all kinds of big TV shows now. So it's like that kind of thing when I was, 20 and you were i think you were 15 man like when you first started on the street team something like that you, you know or whatever it's, it's like crazy to think that we've still been able to stay connected through music for the most part all the way through all this you know yeah it's wild music based industries <laughs> that's right that's why i was excited to come on too a little bit when i pre kind of pre-spoke to adam about it. it's like well i don't really tour anymore you know jeffrey and i we might go out for four dates here or there do this kind of stuff but we don't tour a whole lot anymore, but that's where we all got our, that's literally where, you know, Jeffrey and I met. And mm -hmm. honestly, most of my employees worked on Warp Tour or Mayhem, like half of them, you know, have all come from that world and they've either had kids or this or that. And they're like, well, it's time for me to hang up, you, you know, the tour pass and, and, and find a job somewhere else. So, you know, when you come into our office currently, it's, it's just like kind of a reunion of, of all those old tours. I need to come up there and check it out, but it's cool that, you know, we'll, we'll briefly go into your stepping stones on to getting where you are today. But before we go into that, what do you think makes it attractive about working with people who have toured? 
Why do you think that your office is full of all these people you met on the road? Well, it's attractive for me to hire them because I, I know they have good work ethic. Um, there, there's, a, there's a half step of that from where you're from, too. I, I truly believe, you know, the, the way you came up as a kid, um, you know, me, I worked on farms and did shit like that. But, but it's like there's, there's some of that experience that makes you have good work ethic. But then being on tour is a whole different thing, you know. Um, and we've all, well, I've worked with a lot of people that have and have not toured. And, and there's just kind of a night and day sometimes of I'll put in the extra hour. I'll come in on the weekend. We're not leaving until it's done kind of mentality. Um, and not to say other people don't have that as well. It's just that you see it a lot more in general. The reason they were successful on tour is because they had that attitude where they can kind of get along, you know, or work with anybody. And especially at a business like the, the one I've created now, you know, we're dealing with, you know, NFL athletes, comedians, actors, you know, YouTubers, influencers, and everybody has a different attitude. Personalities. <laughs> yeah. I mean, big, big, big personalities. personalities. Yeah. yeah. And, and some of them are, you know, very, very young and they think they know everything. And it's like, all right, well, how do you deal with this person? My team works with them very well. And we, we've created a great, you know, company and a great group of clients that like probably didn't have the same insight into the world. The cool thing now is we kind of never really dealt with touring, but now obviously the comedians are starting to tour again, but um, the influencers and, and YouTubers um, like Danny Duncan, things like that, they'll go out and do two tours a year and crush it. Yeah. You know, it, it's like such a different concept, you know, than purely music or even, even comedy makes more sense to people when you say, oh, he's touring. Oh, he's going to go do a show. Okay, well, what is someone who does YouTube or, you know, things like that? What do they do? I and mean, we've toured with Jeffrey post music where where he's doing classes and and interviews and things like that, that, you know, if there can be an audience, you can tour it. So. Absolutely. I think that's kind of cool because it's like we've always touched on like how things can be in the music industry or from that music angle. But there is so many ways to tour uh, and be out on the road. And it could, like you said, it could be comedy, it could be content creators, like being creative and, and like they need help doing everything that they're doing. Uh, it doesn't have to just be from that music industry angle, which is kind of awesome. And I'll say this for those of you out there that are, um, you know, merch, tour managers, things like that. Those jobs pay very well <laughs> because they're charging very high for tickets. You know, back end is very simple. It's like this dude's going to go on stage and. And, and do what he wants to for an hour. And, and you know, there'll, there'll be 1,800 kids. Um, I think that's something I learned pretty quick, too, um, is just that, like, okay, well, if you want to work in touring, there, there's so much touring happening that you generally don't think of. We have a lot of, like, Twitch yeah. uh, video game streaming type people, right? So it's just, like, they're going out and perf uh, not performing, but they're going out and playing with crowds in the morning when kids, you know, are, they're coming out. There's, um, you know, kids groups that are going out Sunday mornings, uh, like for post church, you know, young youth type stuff. I mean, there's, there, there's so many jobs out there in touring non music these days because, you know, the interest is, you know, for a variety of people, especially young people is, is not just music anymore. They're, they're easily exposed to so much stuff. And the idea to them, see those people or, you, you know, whatever in person, kind of all they want in life sometimes yeah, yeah. it really it's just is like that that's the pinnacle of what can happen what are some of the jobs that uh some content creators or youtube or twitch would have out on the road with them oh uh, yeah i mean so specifically I'll, I'll talk about some of the tours we have done so 
And most of them are pretty traditional when you actually end up looking at them. I mean, uh, so we do a wide variety of the comedians like Brendan Schaub and Theo Vaughn and uh, Whitney Cummings, uh, Andrew Santino, things like that. So obviously when those guys are going out, they're very lean and mean, right? Mm -hmm. They're, they're flying to cities, doing five shows in a row, coming home, performing in LA, going back out to another show. You know, it's almost rare that they'll have a bus or anything like that. Um, and that's also kind of how a lot of our EDM acts are. We obviously, we don't do a ton of EDM. We also don't do like massive, massive festival EDM stuff. But, you know, when you're doing weekend stuff, it's kind of like you, you'll have a tour manager and someone usually to run merch if you can. But a, a lot of times for like the comedians, it's how big a suitcases can we throw on the plane and we're, we're flying lean, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, so that's fun. At the same time, then when you get to like kind of our Danny Duncans, I mean, they're going out with the full deal, like tour bus, you know, t stage manager, tour manager, obviously merchandise, maybe two people doing merchandise. They have like a VIP coordinator or something for those kind of things. Is that like a huge draw for those tours or not so much? Uh, it depends. It depends. Some of them do do the VIP packages. It's a little different because kind of even by going, um, there's different th that we've done different levels of like meet and greet kind of things. Um, the fun thing about a lot of those guys is they're people of the people, right? Like they get there, they do their show and they'll spend two hours more than their performance, just hanging out by the merch booth. And, and a lot of those people, that's how they live. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, Danny's pretty edgy. I'm going to keep talking about Danny cause he's one of our big success stories. Um, you know, he's pretty edgy, you know, he doesn't get his stuff monetized all the time uh, on YouTube. Everyone's like, well, he makes a ton of money. It's like, no. He makes money because he crushes at merch. You know, he's he's one of the first influencers to get into retail. He, he's crushing it at Zoomies. You know, to retail was kind of like, well, that's kind of a crazy thing. So these guys are all very motivated to get out, be friendly with their fans, you know, take pictures, sell merch, um, you know. And, and honestly, uh, some bands are like that, too. And I wish more were. I think back in like the early Warp days and things like that, you, you know, it was a little bit more like, yeah, I'm going to go hang out, you know, at the merch booth for five hours and, and just meet people. Um, and that's kind of the, the period I came up in doing the early warp tours and all that kind of stuff. And not that that doesn't exist anymore, but, you know, I feel like that kind of almost youth punk rock ethos has kind of translated to, to some of the, the more, you know, online personalities than some of the online musicians. Hot take. Was that something... <laughs> Yes. Was that something that, that you uh, that you guys helped Danny Duncan with, getting into a retail situation with his merch? Yes. Uh, funny, I think you guys actually know uh, our head of sales who uh, handles Danny. He was in a band called Lower Definition. His name's Stefan Toller. San Diego homie, right? Yep, from San Diego. Another band I tried to sign to Victory at the exact same time as, as all of you guys. Funny enough, we had just signed you. I went to Angels and Air, uh, not Angels and Air, Angels and Demons or whatever that festival was in New Jersey, and it was basically like, no, we signed we signed a day to remember. We're, we're not signing lower definition. And I was like, oh my gosh, don't tell anyone that. No. <laughs> Nick's gonna be pissed. <laughs> Tino's uh, Tino, pissed. He's not Tino. talking to me anymore. Young Fuego. He's like, my life could have been different. Well, that was a Tony call. I wanted everybody. Yes. Um, yes, it's fucking Tony's fault. You get a deal. You get a deal. You get a deal. <laughs> so 100%. So we had tried for years because we haven't even mentioned Killer Merch. So Killer Merch is the company yeah. we started what up do you here, do? right? <laughs> so, so to bring that full circle, we started in music and then kind of floated away from music, right? Now we have all these clients and properties that are like crushing it, but like nobody believes they're crushing it, right? Like you go to a retail, you go to a 
you, you know, uh, a Zoomies or someone like that. And you're going, hey, we we have this brand that's not really a brand. It's like a person, but it's a brand. And they're like, we don't we don't really follow like we that's that's not Hurley. You know, it's not like whatever it is. And so it took us a couple of years to kind of like prove, right, prove that it's a thing. And it's like just showing numbers wasn't enough. It's like we can drive traffic like nobody can drive traffic. We have the guy whatever guy it is, like we, that person will, and they're like, okay, let's give it a try. So that was probably about, um, I don't know, 18 months ago. I think we really kind of picked up with, uh, maybe, maybe about two years. Uh, we picked up with zoomies and, and now partly because of that, but also because the world is different, you know, people were locked down for a while. They spent a lot of time online. What's popular. They see what's happening. So now I think a lot of retail in general is kind of opening up their eyes and going, what else is out there? Right. Yeah. Like there, it was so traditional to have like obey and thrasher and, and, and all this stuff. Well, it's all cool stuff. There's so much more out there now that kids are having access to and they're wanting to buy online or, you know, at events or whatever it is. So I think retail is really opening up and that and that kind of goes to why we started Killer in the first place. Because it's like we just wanted better online opportunities for the bands we worked with at the time. And we didn't feel like they were. I wasn't in merch at that time. I was working with a few labels and they weren't happy with what was happening. And, you know, they were looking for better opportunities. I said, well, why don't we just do our own thing? Can we do that? I was like, yeah. (laughs) I think it's people like you that kind of came from the other side and understand the necessity of that and how it doesn't really exist that are kind of like pushing that new idea of like, this can't exist this way. You know, like it doesn't have to be this way that we've always done for I don't know, since like this industry began and it's like, it can, we can have these opportunities. We just got to think a little bit more creatively. And especially with those content creators, I mean, they are making videos that can market this merchandise to hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people, every video they make, they're walking marketing the whole time. And it does, and it's not forced. It's not weird. It's like, you look at the Nelk boys or whatever, for example, like they have the full sin thing. And it's like, that is all that they make these videos that everyone watches anyways. And it's just like a full commercial the whole time. And it's not weird. It's not forced. And it's on different levels too. And it's funny because I still obviously talk to and work with a lot of uh, musical acts and artists and things like that. And I, I kind of try to encourage them to like tap into that world a little bit more. I, I just feel like, I think you hit it on the head, not just merchandise, but like music and music merchandise and just music in general has just been the same thing over and over and over not the music itself but just like here's how we market this here's how we roll this out um we need ads we need this and not that those things aren't good or work but it just seems like music has kind of fallen behind in the idea of how to do outreach i mean your band's a perfect example you guys always had great videos whether they're around a new song or not like you guys were entertaining as fuck either on tour or on video like honestly like i don't know many people were doing even that kind of stuff you know, maybe I think some 41 always had some fun stuff I liked yeah. way back in the day. They put on the DVDs and things like that. But it's just like to be in a band and be successful, you have to be a, a personality. Like yeah. if you're boring, like it's, that's part of like you taking off. So if you have all of that, and once video really became, you, you know, you were giving me shit about no MySpace. There was MySpace uh, when I was <laughs> back. At, uh, but but just like having those videos up there, it's like, OK, well, now we can actually record content, you know. Even a lot of our people these days uh, that we sign, this does almost predate me a little bit, but all the early CKY videos, right? Like all that stuff where it was like skate videos. And then it was like, well, there's like all these skits and like funny shit. And and it's like, even people we're signing today that are 16 or 18 are going, I love, you know, Johnny Knoxville. I love Bam Margera. Or I love, 
these early videos from from these kind of people that were like they had to be on MTV because there's nowhere else to watch it, you know. Right. So yeah. even the fact that they they recognized that it was like early on, and I think bands that uh, you know humanized the bands were ones that like were able to kind of come around, and and you guys did that, and you know I mean Newfound Glory and a lot of people that we were on a warp tour with because it's a it's a 45 day slog of content. Right. Yeah. It's like, well, what the fuck else are we going to do? Let's film every barbecue. Let's let's take photos. I mean, that's where that's where Adam did a lot of stuff. My first ad ever. Do you remember this was a Vic Firth, Alex Atticus. Oh, yeah. Adam photo. And it was really? in Revol- I put it in all these ads or all these oh. magazines. <laughs> cool. Is that when you were at Atticus? Yeah. You shot it on Warp Tour for me. Oh, uh, was see, it behind this is the, him? This is the thing. Adam taught us to even do this. Like. We worked with Adam obviously through like promos and stuff like that. But then like as like other bands were kind of gaining this momentum of being like these social media, like Pierce the Veil, for example, they were huge mm. on social media kind of coming up. And we never yep. really had that in the beginning. Like we didn't really expose that aspect of like, here's like our everyday thing. Like we made like the funny videos or we did like these things or whatever, but we just didn't even think about using social media in that way. And like Adam coming on with us was like, yo. Let's Dude, do this. I drew up like PDFs and post schedules and like what to post. And I remember like <laughs> going out with artists and like giving them my photos and then posting the photos and be like, "Dude, it's not getting enough likes." I'm like, "Your selfies are gonna crush these photos every time. You gotta like do a variety." It was such a funny learning curve of like working with artists to teach them how to be like influencers. And it was jumping from like a day to remember it appears to all time low and learning from them and then taking those things to another art i don't know it was crazy back then well it's, it was like the wild what i mean it still is i think it's all still very young and i think that it's all still kind of morphing and changing and like there's no rules now like there's people that can be insane at music but be insane on twitch and have like this cra- like crazy like following on yeah. twitch, but then they're like making these youtube videos where their content's like next level and it's like they're thinking about it all together now whereas back then it was like hey we're a band Let's make some videos, you know, because right. we like to, we like, we want to be like Blink 182. We want to make these funny videos and do all these things. Uh, and and now they're just like, yeah, we do that. We're doing it. We're on TikTok. We're on, we're doing it anyways. We like that. That's how we are. Yeah. It, it was cool to see, you know, over the period, because it's like you have your guys like Periphery who like control a whole one side of the internet. And, th- and then you have like, uh, you know, Danny asking and, and Ronnie and Telly from the Word Alive, like, they're streaming all the time, playing yeah. games and, and, and bringing in huge, you know, crowds and they're, and they're making money by it. But they're also it's promoting. And again, it's like kind of making it human. It's like, oh, you know, th- unless you're that kind of band where you're just like, no one's ever going to see me. I'm going to be super dark and wear corpse paint. And it's just like <laughs> p- p- people want to relate to everybody now, you know, and, and it's just like I love both kind of bands. Don't get me wrong. But it's just like if that's what you're going for. And obviously, you, you know, to, to even further it, like if you want to make a, a living, it's. To, to some extent, you have to be able to diversify, right? Like you can't just, you, you, especially you get hit with something like the last year and it's like, well, what are you going to do now? You know, so it's like, you ain't going to play any shows. So what else? And I think we've seen a ton of uh, tour people and artists and, um, you know, everybody in the industry go, well, what else am I good at? And, yeah. and find out how to monetize it at the beginning of the whole thing. And I'm like, man, this is going to shake out the industry. There's going to be, no bands left like they're all gonna stop playing for a bit start getting real jobs not real you know what i'm saying like families jobs things like that and then touring will start again in a year and they're gonna be like well i'm pretty comfortable now but like that didn't happen you gain the covid 20 (laughs) yeah right (laughs) 
That's where I'm at now right the, now. I'm about to go. I got to lose that shit so we can get back on the road. <laughs> <laughs> Start running around. Yes. Yeah, um, the, all the festivals. I mean, there's so many, you know, tours and things being announced right now. And it was, it was because everybody was crazy able to adapt and find like, I can stream or I can, I mean, a lot of studio stuff. Or, I mean, mm-hmm. I think a lot of records got written in the last year. I think there's going to be a plethora of new music coming out here in the next eight months. Yeah, I mean, it was expi- inspiring to see, and especially the tour industry. Is, and, and again, that's where I came from. I never you know, played in a band, so I was always on the staff side on Warp Tour and all those other places, and I still know all those people. And it's like, okay, and you know, I can only hire so many of you, you know? So it's like, <laughs> what is everybody else doing? I mean, it was that. Like, there was this whole yeah. plan I, actually I had with, with the Warp Tour. I was going to put an announcement, and I was like, Dude, I'm, I'm going to hire as many people in LA as I can, but you kind of don't realize how many people are in that world, what it takes to really, really move the music industry touring wise, because we're in our world, you know, but then you have, okay, well, that doesn't include the 60 people out with sync or the, right. you, you, you know, it's just like, there's so many different worlds or country or EDM. And it's like, man, there really is so many people in this industry. And it, it was, it was tough and they, they didn't get a good shake on, on, on the last 12 months uh, for sure. I think we, uh, we being the music industry, really kind of, we were the first to go away and like probably the last to come back as like everything kind of gets going again. And then there was no real yeah. program for anybody that kind of worked in this thing. Everyone's just like, yeah, figure it out. But like right. you said, I think to everyone in the touring industry is like some of the hardest working people that exist. There is no like, when you're on tour, it's not like I work from 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. It's like, no, from the <laughs> moment you wake up, you are busting your ass until the moment you literally fall asleep from exhaustion uh and then you got to get to wherever you're going you got to shower you got to clean up you got to care for yourself it's fucking crazy and i think that if you can survive on tour you can pretty much survive any situation regardless of what's being thrown at you you can you're you learn to be adaptable uh, you have to i think no 100 percent. yeah when, when we were uh speaking about people kind of merchandising or merchandising the personalities like i feel like very re- relatable to Mark's current situation, you know, running Jeffrey's merch, but also all of us came up on Warp Tour witnessing the growth of his business oh, yeah. and seeing that happen. And that was like the first time, honestly, just seeing his merch numbers every day at Warp Tour and having a line around tent. He wasn't even playing music on Warp Tour back then. It was just crushing Not like it. the first time, I don't think. Yeah. Well, the last three times we did Warped, it was just like, well, this is specifically Jeffrey. So. Yeah. So when we did Warped uh, with him, yeah, it was just making an appearance, you, you know, kind of uh, at that point, the, make, the makeup brand existed. So, you know, unlike, you know, when he was performing and, and sold an obscene amount of merch, now he wasn't <laughs> performing and still selling an obscene amount of merch. So, um, I mean, and that's a whole different thing to deal with, too, you know, just coming in there where it's like yeah, we did that farewell show um, or whatever in San Francisco, uh, which was what, two, two summers ago. So it's like, the, has it been that long? Already? Farewell warp tour. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. Those, the, that final show they did up there. So it's like, but just to even run that, you know, we had two tour buses, two trailers. I had 18 staff and we weren't even performing. That was literally to go up there and do meet and greets and, and sell merch. Wow. You know, so he, uh, he is a, it's fun to he do is a that. force. He is a personality. Like even from the beginning, it did like you knew that, like you were around him and you're just like, man, this guy is like you feel it you feel his energy it radiates around him no matter what he's doing or like you would just like see him like coming like he'd come watch your show right like he'd come watch a date or remember or something and you just like turn around and be like oh yeah okay 
Jeffree Star's back. People like people will be like screaming and shit. He's like on stage. I'm like, oh shit, it's pretty cool. And then you're like, oh, it's Jeff. Okay, all right. I'm uh, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to spend most of my days at this point with him. So I I it is still like that. It doesn't matter if we're at a McDonald's or you know a mall or or whatever it is we're doing. You know, but but he's another good example of a guy who was out there. We actually that's where we met was uh, Warp Tour. Oh shit, oh eight. I think yeah. he was performing, and I was out there with my first year with Atticus. Can't believe that was 08. You were out there, you know, uh, Devil Wears Prada. Like those are mm-hmm. all bands we were we were working with at that time. And uh, obviously, he terrified the shit out of me. We didn't hang out or anything like that, but that was our intro. And then, you know, who knew? Uh, you know, ten years later, or whatever, we'd uh, own a company, a couple companies together, and then uh, you know, I help run most of his cosmetic operations. So it's 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 a it's been a weird road. You only meet so many people that you're just like this person's going to work until they are a success or they die. Like one of those two things is going to happen. And, um, you know, he's it's been interesting working with him. We're, we're two, two very different people, but I think that's why we work well together. Um, that's why this is probably, this is the like first like pod thing I've ever done, you know, uh, other than appearing in the background of his videos and things like that. So <laughs> it's never been, a, I'm not the guy that wants to be out front and, and, and all yeah. that do social media and things like that. But, um, like I said, I think that's, that's why we work together and, uh, well, and it, it's, it's interesting being able to merchandise and also see the collaborations we've been able to do. I mean, it's, it's funny because he came up in the exact same time and he knows everybody. He's not, he's not like this out of reach person that, that the whole warped world, you know, doesn't know, but I was with him earlier, Adam, he says, hello. And that you've taken some very nice photos of him. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I was actually going to tap in if I could say, and I was going to Sorry. First of all, thank you. Hi, Jeff. Uh, one of my hardest <laughs> things I struggle with is all these people I meet in the music industry as they go through their levels of fame or how do I say it? Like people desire their attention more and they kind of have to push people away. It always breaks my heart that I can't keep in touch with people like Jeffrey or people like that because they just become so busy and I never take it personally. But man, I wish there was like a way I could be like, hey, I don't need anything from you. I just want to hang out sometime. I don't know if you guys ever struggle with that or like the people you meet on tour that are, you know, I don't know. Can you guys relate on any level? Absolutely. I mean, you don't want to like hit someone up and feel like you're asking for something, which I feel like most of the time, like once you reach a point of success that like most people that hit you up who haven't talked to you in a while, that's probably what the request is. But it's like, I'm sure it would be fine to be like, yo, we can hang out. How do you navigate that, Mark? Especially since you might be in the position that, Neil has been in with his band where other people are hitting him up now that you're, you know, arguably much more busy than you were 10 years, maybe the same amount of busy, but just on another level. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd be surprised if you have any trouble with that. Cause I, I don't, I'd be hard pressed to find a single person that has something negative to say about you or, or, or wouldn't want to be around. <laughs> um, but I think I can kind of relate as well uh, to, to you, Adam, just because it's like, again, we, we come from kind of the non music side of things. And obviously you're torn in a lot more, a, a lot more ways when you have stuff to do, especially when you're touring and, and you're at a certain place, you know, and I'll say it comes down to a lot of who the people are too. You know, I remember uh, when I was in San Diego at like a Rex, the halls, I think, or maybe, maybe as the data remember show you guys were playing with, uh, you guys are playing with like, um, Pierce the veil or I, I don't know. I don't remember what tour it was. I just remember I was there and I saw Josh and Josh was like, Bob, what's up? And it's like, you know, like I have this, I'm the guy that doesn't even like going backstage, like at all, like, I go to shows and just don't even go back. Cause like, I don't like to be the awkward one. 
You know, it's just like, oh, hey, man, I'm standing in this fucking corner. But but it's just like, <laughs> I'm serious, dude. Like all the time, it's like it like stresses me out. Like, what's up? Man, some guy, some guy's gonna ask me like, who the fuck are you? And I'm just like, I'm nobody, man. I'm gonna go back to the to, to the soundboard. Right, I'll I'm, leave. I'm good. <laughs> but um, you know, there's a certain extent, and it, it defines, I think, to me. And especially as I grew older and did Atticus and, and like sponsored bands and like who I wanted to like actually work with. Once I got to the point where I post Atticus, right, I didn't have anything to offer. I had money and clothes and stuff to give to people then. But post that, I spent a bunch of years doing my own, you know, festival uh, like company and things like that, where it was just like I go to shows and, and then those people would, would say what's up or see me and pull me in like talk and it's like that to me meant a lot because it was just like i made some sort of impression that mattered enough that they even remember who i am three years later you know or even with the victory days you know it's just like you know doug from the sleeping moved out here for a bit and worked down the street and you know obviously i still uh, i'm good homies with javi from the warriors and because we're all out here but it's like there's no reason that has to be a thing Javi's, uh, his story is incredible. Javi's a force of him in himself. <laughs> yeah. He's one of my favorite human beings. Dude. Uh, we try to go, we try to go to like a lunch every couple of weeks and it's just, it's just an experience. <laughs> I remember we always assumed that like when we were coming up, we looked at people that worked at Victory Records as like the coolest ever. Cause we thought that Victory was the coolest ever. You know, you were always, you were one of the first people that we kind of looked up to at Victory Records because as a young band, we went to Victory Records and we were like, this is a place we want to be signed. Uh, and everyone that works here has to be the coolest person ever. You know, like when you go in there and you were, you were so welcoming, there was so much hospitality. Like that first night we talked about earlier, we went to the showcase and you invited us out to go drink beers with this other band that we were like, holy shit, it's Black Dahlia Murder. And to us, that was like fucking next level. We thought that was the coolest thing. And we're like, this guy works at Victory Records and he's so nice. And uh, he's like welcoming us into his world. And we just didn't know that. We didn't know what it was like. And so in our minds, like, you will always be like Mark Bubb, the fucking first person that worked at Victor Records that was nice to us. You know what I mean? It's like... It's that Wisconsin coming through, you know? Yeah, you're on a podcast <laughs> with two Wisconsinites right now, Neil. Nothing but nice vibes in here. Dude, I actually asked my I wife to marry that, me in Wisconsin. So I have like, I have a tie to Wisconsin as well. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Apple, Apple River. You know about that shit? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I floated down the Apple River many a time. <laughs> well, you, you guys were playing a festival up there? Was it Northern Invasion? Gotcha. Yep. A friend of ours was kind of putting on uh, Northern Invasion and became friends with the person who owned the campground at the Apple River. They invited us to come there when we were on the Blink Tour. And that was the first time I met my wife. Like, I met Mary. She's like, hey, come hang out and go camping. And then whenever I asked her to marry me, we went back to the same campground. And I was like, hey, let's go camping. And then... I asked her, and then so like Wisconsin kind of plays a part in our little relationship. So everything leads back to Wisconsin. It's true. It's true. It's everything. <laughs> All right. I have a note written down. If I can segue to this, it says traps. Sure. And Mark, oh, it says trap. <laughs> you're a very well educated business person. You've jumped from touring, working at a label. Well, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it out here. Sure. You've sure. At, okay. <laughs> you've worked in touring. You've worked at a label. You've worked for Atticus. You worked at Jedediah which is another clothing company. You've done your own thing. And now you run killer merch, which reps a lot of, you know, very large artists. You mentioned traps prohibited before we started the show. Are there any traps in this industry that just come to mind of things that people do that maybe they shouldn't do? I mean, you're, you really laid it out there. Well, <laughs> uh, when I mentioned that earlier, 
it, it was more so with, um, you know, try to do right by everybody and like be cool, whether it's employees or the team or, or, or clients or things like that. You know, to me, the way the world has changed since those MySpace days where everybody was like pretty much on the up and up now with our client list, you know, in the last couple of years and just with everything, it's like everybody's trying to get some dirt on somebody else, um, you know, or what's going on or what's the, the drama or, or this or that just because they want to be able to post that stuff, you know, and, um, you know, as a business, we have a lot of crazy. The, the really cool thing I'll say this about what Killer has going on is that we're not just like a faceless we're making some t-shirts and shipping them out for you kind of thing. Like our entire roster comes to our office pretty regularly, you know, and these are some pretty high level people that don't even necessarily live in LA, whether it be the, you know, the actors or the, um, you know, the comedians or, or you, you know, not even just like the YouTube people, but it's just like, there's a lot of, like we said earlier, a lot of big personalities, a lot of, you know, private stuff that's going on because there's secret tours being announced or, TV shows or all this kind of stuff. And, you know, it's not irregular for some guy from TMZ to be parked out in our back parking lot. One of them offered our maintenance guy a bunch of money to like, it's, it's like crazy shit like that. And it's like, Damn. that's never anything I thought I would ever deal with. Yeah. It's just like, I'm going to sell fucking punk rock music and drink beers and <laughs> fucking make a living. Right. And yeah. now it's like, leave me alone. I'm doing makeup on one, one end and I'm, I'm you know, dealing with, you know, a, a list, you know, actors occasionally on this side. And it's like, who the fuck am I? You know? So it, it's one of those things where it's like, it's not just necessarily me because I can, you know, handle myself, I think perfectly fine, but it's like trusting the hundred people that work for us to understand that as well. And that goes from graphic design to our sales team, to our customer service. And it's like, they're not entrenched in the world. Like, like I had been, or all of us had been to get to this point. So there's, um, you know, there's just, there's just a lot going on and there's a lot of people and it's not because of merch and it's not because of me. It's just because of who you deal with, you know? And I, I guess, I guess as any, as any big business grows, you know, and you get bigger and you associate with those, whether you're a, a booking agency or a touring agency or whatever it is, you get those bigger clients that that kind of shit's going to follow you. But, you know, I think that's been the biggest kind of growing, I don't want to say growing pain, but like, the most annoying thing, like if I didn't have to deal with that and like, everybody's just like everybody, cause otherwise it's just like, you know, Brendan Shaw will come in and we'll talk about MMA and then we'll do a photo shoot for his thick boy stuff and then he'll leave, you know, but it's like, mm -hmm. well, everybody else wants to know what, what, what was he doing there? What's going on? So, you know, it's a little, a little beyond wherever I thought I'd be in my career, but, um, you know, I've adapted. <laughs> We're figuring it out. It sounds like, you know, and Neil and I, talk about this a lot. It sounds like, you know, the, the principle of just trust and being a good person to work with and not being a dick really go a long way. And those principles can kind of be applied and stretched to the things you're talking about where it's, Hey, you know, like this is a private thing. These people have, there's a lot of people that are after these people or want to know what's going on in their, not after, but want to know what's going on in their life that isn't their business. And it's our job to kind of keep that private. Yeah, I don't, there, there, there's a trust to your word, right? Like where it's like, if, if I know about a stadium tour a year in advance, well, that better not leak, right? Well, we, you know, little Dickie uh, has been with us and between music and TV and we have, like I said, it's a lot about stuff like that where it's like, it's not just like someone's going to be like, oh, my, this tidbit leaked. It's like, it's huge stuff where you're talking like 
Fox and whatever. And it's just like, that's a bad look for everybody. You, they have to trust you. And for that to happen, you know, you also have to, you know, trust your people. So I have to say, I'm very proud of my entire team. Not, not that any of that had happened, but I mean, you know, like I said, that stuff tries to happen all the time. And, and trust me, when, when people thrive on the internet, drama follows them around. I mean, like you said, it's like these people are infectious and people want to have some part of them. They want to, and as you deal with people like that, like that comes with like the TMZ or like these people that are trying to get this little piece of information that can help them in their job too, you know? Cause like with these big personalities, that's all you want to do is just have like a little bit of extra, like this extra view, this extra angle, this extra thing that you don't get anywhere else, you know? Yeah. At some point it like crossed the line to the point where like the, you know, the Kardashians like love them or hate them. They gave you everything, right? Like oh, yeah. anybody who cared, like the idea of I should be able to be intimately uh, involved or know everything about the people I care about, whether that be a band or whoever it is, just got too far at one point, you mm -hmm. know? So, so where's that line? Where's the line between I'm giving you access to see that I'm human and fun and a great musician and I want you to support me and you're going to show up in my front yard and, you know, seriously, it happens to our people all the time. Like it, almost every one of our clients has had to like make a statement. We're like, this is a problem. Like, I, we've, I've had a few people that have actually moved homes because it became too much. Wow. So, you, you know, it's like it's one of those things where it's like as, as fans and, and as just people ourselves, you know, it's, it's, it's easy for us to say, I love this musician. I'm never going to fucking show up on their front yard, you know, that, right. but but it's a different time now. And, you know. And whether whether it's Jeffrey or a Logan Paul or a Danny has that happen a lot too. It's you know they've had to ask like don't do that. So there's there's a line that also has to be drawn. It's kind of a it's an interesting time because I think that like with the internet and these uh, social media or like even you know like the Keeping Up with the Kardashians where it's like um, reality TV, like we're all still trying to figure out where that new boundary exists, right? And then there's certain people that are pushing the boundary even further, kind of like streaming on Twitch, maybe 24 hours a day and like, kind of like having these different people that are even pushing it further. So it's like, as people kind of pull back, there's other people pushing the boundary further and existing completely on the internet. And I think that like, as we get into this new world, you know, like what, whatever life after COVID looks like, there's going to be <laughs> all these new things when we go back out into public, you know, like where people have been like streaming and you have all this access to people and as they get back into touring and they get back into their, whatever their career is, you're going to have to figure out these whole new boundaries that people are, com are comfortable with, you know, like, like if you have people in bands that stream uh, other people in their band that don't stream, maybe be like, I don't want you streaming back here in this dressing room where I'm trying to like warm up or do this and all that. It's like, a, it's going to be a whole new thing that we have to figure out and navigate. And, and again, it is different too, to where it's like, you're not going to go show up on someone's doorstep because like you feel like you know them very well through Twitch, you know, that's not going to happen. Yeah. You'd be surprised. <laughs> well, you, it will I, I really you're think right. you you're, would. but I'm saying like, I really think you would, but most people think God, yeah. I mean, we, people don't really care about us like that. You know, we don't have like that level of fan fanaticism with us. We've been, I don't know. I think it's lucky, I guess. I don't know. What, when are you guys going back out? I can't, I don't know. I can't talk about it yet. Right. I don't Secret. know. Announce uh, it getting, here on the podcast. I, I, I'm the one like pushing exclusives. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, man, tell us. It's like a trap. I'm like, well, there's this tour we're going to be doing with uh, Asking Exactly. Trap. And, you know, 
So there is a question that I wanted to kind of ask, and I wanted to know, because I don't know, and you touched briefly on it, that Killer Merch, you know, is more than just a merch company. You're not just printing t-shirts. And Neil and I are both really familiar with a merch company because if we need something made or his band needs something made, you know, they go to him and have their merch made. Mm-hmm. But what makes Killer Merch different than those merch companies? And before you go into that, could you touch on, even just briefly for people who are new to this world, what merch companies did prior or what the relationship was like with artist client? You know, I can't generalize every merch company. Obviously, I'm, I'm friends with a, a good amount of them. Um, I, I think we've come into a new world in that sense where there's a pretty good core group of merch companies. Well, if, uh, and I can talk specifically for music, but there's obviously a lot now that only focus on non-music stuff. And we're kind of in the middle. But, you know, even when I was at Victory and, and, and back in the day when I was like trying to help bands who didn't have managers find merch deals and things like that, it was it was war like everyone hated everybody else and they were very competitive. They're throwing, throwing advances, like all this stuff, but, but they just, there was never, honestly, I just didn't feel like there was real cohesion. Now I, you know, I, I've, there's a pretty good circle of us that, you know, the merch world, I'll say this for everybody. We're the last to get paid, right? When it comes to bands, 95% of the time you pay your staff, you pay the touring, you pay out. And a lot of times we get, get left holding the bag. Right. So why would we all not get along when we can talk to each other and say, hey, man, I I noticed this this band's available now. And it's like, well, maybe you shouldn't do that, you know, and that's kind of a business inside of things like people don't think about that. And and it's kind of disheartening because I've worked with some people I thought, you know, wouldn't have that issue. And it's just it's just a reoccurring problem. And it's not necessarily their fault. Um, You know, things don't sell. Tours get canceled, things like that. But it's more than not, you, you know, merch companies are a pretty big risk for, for anyone to own. So, so to do them right, you know, one, you have to find the right clients. And, the, and again, that word you have, people you trust. What I think kind of makes us different than something that was traditional um, is it, just kind of more the full service side of things. Whereas, I mean, especially as you get to much, much bigger companies that have the Beyonce's in uh, such of the world, it's like a lot of those people are... Um, good people, but 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 the company itself is more rep, right? That they outsource customer service, or they outsource, you know, design. They outsource this, everything from from beginning to end for our clients um, is in house with us. So, oh wow, that's um, awesome. Someone comes in, they want us to rebrand, make them a new logo, then then we'll design a whole new spread, you know, for to launch. We'll do we'll do the store for them. Um, uh, as far as the web store is concerned, we handle the manufacturing, whether it's overseas or, or domestic, we ship everything in-house, we customer service, everything in, in-house. We have regulatory, if we're doing cosmetics or cologne or face wash, or, you know, we, we have a lot of people that might not necessarily be our clients, but as a company, you know, there's, there's definitely artists that'll come and say, Hey, I wear makeup it would be great if I could release an eyeliner or I want to release a cologne. We've done cologne for a couple NFL guys. So, so it's like, you're not going to see us repping a big store, but we, we act as a manufacturer for them just because of what we have. So very little outsourced. It's all put within our deal. So, so I'm obviously trying to like walk nicely here, not group in every merch company and say, well, they don't do this or they don't do this. But you, you know, there's definitely people very similar to us now, you know, as, as there's companies that only focus on influencers or only only focus on gaming and things like that. It's it's a lot more niche uh, for different things because 
comedians never thought about selling merch or gamers would never sell merch or NFL players would never have their own line. Like that shit just didn't happen 10 years ago. You know, I mean, very rarely, you know, if you were doing merch, you were selling to retail and you were doing band merch or you had like a, you know, you, you repped, you know, whatever O'Neill or, or, or what, whatever <laughs> big brand, right? Like mm-hmm. Hurley, whatever. So now the fact that like a company like us can exist, shotgun all over the goddamn place and say, well, we like sports. You know, we have Sean O'Malley and, and Max Holloway. So we started getting in the UFC and we're like, hey, this is awesome. And it, and it lets those, you know, the fighters or the players or, you know, the streamers or whoever, like kind of have their own personality even outside of their their league who, who probably control a lot of their rights too. So um, I, I think just the diversity and, and, and then because of that, you know, being able to jump around and, and well, we're not in any way a management company or anything like that, because of that kind of at- atmosphere where we've built, funny enough, I think I told you we're working on building a, a big video on podcast room that any of our clients can use because almost all of them have like eight podcasts. Like, um, <laughs> seriously, they, they crank out more content than I've ever fucking seen in my life. But, you know, so if they want to come record, we have two different photo uh, set studios that we have a wow. separate building for. Um, where we do sets and, and obviously product shots. We have a, you know, two different design rooms where they can come in and sit down with our actual designers and go, hey, I really want to make, you know, I'll give Ninja as a good example. Everything we do for Ninja is completely custom because he has a very specific thing of what he wants. He wanted pockets down to the knees, all the way down to the knees. <laughs> because when he's gaming, he doesn't like his phone and shit falling out of his pockets. Said, great, we're going to make deep as fuck pockets. Great. <laughs> he's, he's tall. He wanted stuff extra baggy. You know, there, there's nothing basic about what he wanted. He was just, he's like, when I game and he does it for 10 hours a day, he's like, I'm going to be sitting in this, right? So I, I want it to be super comfortable. Um, we also uh, did his new gamer hoodies, which are very big with uh, musicians and, and athletes because it's it's a hood basically built for uh, having headphones on uh, so, so that doesn't muffle the audio. But also athletes like, and everybody likes walking through the airport not being seen by mm-hmm. media or fans or stuff. So then they can put it up and have the headphones on the outside and, you know, get that beat sponsorship or whatever they're doing. But it's, but it's like, that's crushing for us too, you know? Genius. So it's like, you, you can come in and design or, or, or not, you know, but it's just like, <laughs> these, these are things that it's like are available. And, and, and to me, we're trying to create more of, um, it's a creative space, right? It's like, come in. I mean, Danny films skate videos there all the time. You know, he's filming, do a podcast, create some art. It's like this real creative creative world i think that we're just trying to like being a merch company is not enough anymore if we only did merch i would have went out of business years ago you know it's just like we have to have a way to help our clients move that merch at the same time and normally that expense wouldn't fall in a company and traditionally merch companies wouldn't have paid for anything maybe some band sponsorships obviously they did tour sponsorships things like that but you, you know at this point it's like I look back at those days, you know, when I went to Atticus and bands would hit me up and be like, hey, give us 50 grand and we'll make this the Atticus tour, right? And I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool. But then I look back now and I'm like, that probably sold five fucking t-shirts, you know? <laughs> it's, it's just like, what did that, what did that, other than looking cool, like what did that really do? And, and at the end of the day, you know, we, we want to help out the artists, but I don't have a job if I can't move any units, you know? Yeah. Have you noticed that... Uh working with different types of uh, creators or like, whether it's like, you know, comedians or YouTube or whatever you, you would make and market and sell merch differently to each of those different crowds, like music or 
anything like that? Um, yeah, I mean, to some extent, I mean, at this point, social media is just running, running so rampant. The comedians are different, right? They're a little bit older. We definitely have, have, you know, some more legacy type stuff too. So we do Eddie Van Halen. It's a little bit easier for me to reach people, uh, through Facebook than it, than it is, uh, you know, on on TikTok. (laughs) And and that's just how it is. You know, I mean, um, I mean, Eddie's stuff does, you know, rest in peace. Uh, you know, he, he, the families have stuck with us after obviously he passed and we we're, we're putting out a bunch of tribute stuff right now. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just cool stuff, but, but it, yeah, it's a different market, you know? Yeah. I mean, little Dicky is an interesting example because he, when we signed him six years ago was so he, he was almost a, a YouTuber, right? Mm-hmm. Like he came out with this awesome album, professional rapper, you know, the first three videos were just fucking incredible, hundred million views. Yeah. And back then you didn't get those kind of views. And well, now he has a TV show, you know? So it's just like that kind of YouTube, uh, you know, notoriety while it's still there, he goes on sway. That's when I always see pop up in my feed. Uh, but, but now that, you know, how do we integrate into now we're at that stuff? We're like, well, how do we play in big boy media now? Uh, not, do I need to run a commercial? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's just like, you know, what, what, what is that connectivity? Obviously you're always going to be connected to the internet, but it's fun. And we've talked about commercials before. We're like, let's do a Super Bowl commercial. Let's, let's just do something so ridiculous, but yeah, have we done it? No, but you know, it's, it, it's, we're to that point where it's just like getting to work with, you know, and we're fortunate getting to work with people that that stuff might actually make a difference. We're all, I think as a world, we're also at the point where does buying a ad make a difference you know does does buying a billboard make a difference it's like should i just dump all this money into you know ha- having having you guys and and 10 other you, you know podcasts talk about it and buy you know instagram ads and things like that it's 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 tough to say that's where pretty much everything's going though it, yeah. you know there, there I, I would say there's not a great variance from youtube that you know we did pretty well with facebook with nfl it, it all kind of sums down to social ads and, and it's melting together. Everything's the same. And, and, and the other thing that we've been very fortunate is the fact that all of our clients are their, their, their own people, right? Like they have these massive followings or they've built very dedicated, smaller bases. And, you know, we spend very little money on actual like advertising and marketing because I'd like to say it's because we're really good at, at picking who we work with, but they're so dedicated. Everybody knows almost immediately it would almost be a waste of money to do that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. um everybody's different every client decides if they want to do more ads or just communicate directly but yeah i mean it's it's crazy how you know even when we were releasing you know first records we're like okay well here's all the magazines we're, we're doing ads in mm-hmm. and we're gonna do uh we did bench i remember we did um a bunch of, like between the bear to me like uh bus benches <laughs> you know, and and we were doing all the snipes up on up on the construction, and it's like, oh, that stuff's cool. You know, it's cool. It's good notoriety. You know, it's great for the band. But again, is it like, is it actually selling stuff? It's tough, tough to say. Yeah. It's hard to track too, and I think that's sometimes what those advertisers rely on. <laughs> They're like, hey, well, at least right. with Facebook and Instagram, you can be like, here's how many people clicked, and here's how many people bought something because they clicked here, and here's how many people saw it. You know, it, there's so it's so much more. Back then, they always gave those numbers, but I'm like, how the fuck do you know that? It's like, there, <laughs> right. there was like 200,000 people that drove by this, and we know that some of them looked at it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that was about it. That's all we know. Well, here's, 
we the, Sally, Billy, they, they definitely <laughs> bought a record. I can, we know. How do you know that? They yeah. live near that one billboard, and we track <laughs> their house. And so, yeah, it's, they took it the survey. Yeah. No, that shit was crazy though. I I will say that was one of the differences between Victory and other people was they were willing to do that shit, whether it worked or not. It, it was like different. Like most people weren't willing to kind of do the like benches and all that kind of stuff. You know, the more interesting. Listen, I, and, and as, as much as I like the joke, I didn't have a terrible time working there. I, I loved all the bands we got to work with. And, and, and that's one thing. I mean, I, so I ran the VAT program. So at one point I had seven Escalades or vans and I was in charge of a, the whole team that would drive around and, 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 you know, the whole guerrilla marketing, all that kind of stuff. And I mean, I, I think in the two years I was in the office, I think I made over like one point, I have a t-shirt I made at the time. Uh, when I left, I think I have, I think I made like 1.8 million samplers. Oh my God. That, that, that got out through all those tours, through the street team, through the festivals, all that, uh, through the holiday packages, all that stuff that we were doing back then. But, but yeah, Neil, you're totally right. It's just like, not a lot of people were dumping that much money. And I mean, just the vehicles alone were half a million dollars to yeah. keep running. You know, we were blowing yeah. through transmissions like fucking candy. So, <laughs> so it's like to even have... <laughs> you know, anyone going out there and doing it for them. I, I mean, I, I, that was, that was always something that I think that was like one thing that is like, you can't take that away from what they were doing. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, and that was the one thing too, it was like, we wanted to be a part of that because I remember growing up and like looking up to victory records, you get that sampler, like you buy the Atreyu album or something that comes mm -hmm. with that sampler in it. And like, Oh, you're like, who's this Hawthorne Heights band? Who is this uh, Aiden or like any of these new bands that were like kind of coming yeah. up, like, at that time and i was just like whoa this is awesome this is like my new favorite band and i didn't even know it and it was like we were like we want to be someone's new favorite band because they bought a hawthorne heights album or they bought a take max sunday record or or whatever we were like that's so cool you know and i can't talk good or bad about it you know it is what it is but it was such an interesting thing to where it was like is this worth it you know like is dealing with this personality that everyone talks about is it worth it you know because like you could see like bands that were coming through and doing that, they were getting bigger and they were like different from every other label too. So, and you have people that like you, you know, like you were like the best at what you did. Like I was friends with like Matt who like worked at Atticus, uh, mm -hmm. came under you. He through. worked from victory. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like we, we he was met one of my Matt. drivers for that. Yeah. yeah. He was always on our tour for some reason. And like, I would ride with Matt, like in the victory vehicle <laughs> and we would just like hang out. Cause like, People were just, they were just good people and they liked music. They loved doing it. They were hardworking and the industry is so small that everyone kind of just finds each other still. Like even now, like what is it? It was 2006. It's like 14, 15 years later. Like we can still like find each other through like these different, this is, it's such a small world. And it's, it's like, we always preach to be a good person and understand that it's all connected. And it, and just because like, you don't think it is, it is. Well, I was just going to say, so when Matt left after I left Victory and went there and then took him to Atticus and then I left Atticus, he got his job with Primitive. Yeah. And he's the one that got Doug from the sleeping, the photography job with Primitive. Yeah. And that's why he came out here. So it's just like, you know, like I said, we're, we're it's one of those things we came up together and it's, it's pretty funny how it's just like, oh, yeah, dude, I, I haven't seen him in eight years. I'll help him out. I don't give a fuck. Let's yeah. do this. You know, that is awesome. Damn. Yeah. I love Matt. And actually, <laughs> do you know how I met Matt? Mark, do you know this story? Oh. It's related to victory. I, I don't. I, I'm not sure I do. Okay, so I photographed the Devil Wears Prada in front of a victory van getting towed. Oh, shit. Yeah, this was on... 
Was this, this in Detroit? Was like the start of our no, it was in Austin, shit, Adam. And it was at it was at South by Southwest, and it's before oh. I knew Matt. And Matt comes up and he's like yelling at the tow truck people to not take his victory van getting towed. And it's the Devil Wears Prada in front going like this. And I took a picture, and then somebody actually found the email. Somebody, I think it was like a data members tour manager, sent it to Tony or something. No, Matt, he saw it. Tony always saw it. Whatever happened, and at that point. I felt terrible, but keep in mind, this is like 2007. I have the email. <laughs> I sent an email to um, uh, Tony apologizing. I found the date. It was 2009 saying, hey, I'm sorry that they posted this. I understand you're really mad. Uh, Data remember had nothing to do with this. It was just me. And Tony just wrote back, every clown in that photo made a major fucking mistake, as did you. And then the, <laughs> and then the repercussions of this photo, which had nothing to do with the Data remember, were, correct me if I'm wrong, Neil, he pulled your TV ads. Or yeah. something. <laughs> well, we were, this was like right when Homesick came out. So, like, that was the tour that, that was like the first US tour. It was the Sweet Brag tour we did with Devil's Prada. So, like, Homesick was just coming out. And we're like hoping for all this momentum happening around Homesick and like all this stuff. And that photo happened. And I just remember, like, I was like next to Josh when Tony called him. And you just hear, like, Josh was like, like holding the phone over here and this dude's just like yelling so loud. And we're like, we don't even know what you're talking about. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean we we didn't do anything about the, the Escalade getting towed? What do you mean we didn't stop it? I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And like, we were like, what? But I guess he thought that we were like, I guess he thought we didn't stop the, the vehicle from getting towed. And we just thought it was funny. And we were like giving thumbs up as it was like well, getting towed. There was also an issue where like Prada had turned victory down for something and then did this thing oh, and Tony gosh. was mad at that. Yeah, it was so. always, it it's was a always. long story. But anyway, that's how I met Matt. And Matt's an amazing dude. And I think he's one of the best people I've ever met now. And I feel bad that that was my first impression on him. Because I think he is one of the best, hardest workers ever. Matt's amazing. Good on you for bringing him to Atticus. <laughs> I didn't know that story. That That is funny. There's a couple instances I can go back between that and a Taken Back Sunday one and a few other ones. But <laughs> When that kind of shit hits, it fucking hits the fan. Oh yeah. my god! Like he wasn't going to handle it. Like it was the end of the world every time. Every time, no matter what was <laughs> happening, that was the biggest disrespect. It was all about respect. That's all I can say. Hey, there's yeah. something to be learned there. I do agree with him on that one. As much as I disagree with his reactions, it is well, all about respect in this a, industry. Uh, I'm going to be real. He was an insanely smart human being. Like you have to be to run a label of that level for as long as he did, as successful as he was. But obviously some questionable business practices. <laughs> I mean, but. All right. Well, <laughs> and on that <laughs> you, note. You, t- you tiptoe so good. <laughs> and, and on that note, uh, we do have a few <laughs> quick Patreon questions, which I think you'll be the best person to answer because, you know, I told people, hey, we have a guy coming on. His name is Mark and he works in the merch kind of area of touring and that's all right i I got all the time you need for me okay so maybe in this day and age it might be different than what i my experience is based on it but dennis wants to know that what's the best kind of way to reach out to an artist and get your designs used for merch in this day and age how does a designer do that anymore interesting uh i wouldn't reach out to the artist at all uh to be honest uh especially if they're of any any size you know we have people, I probably get four or five a week uh, of new artists from around the world that uh, that, that want to pitch us stuff. One, hopefully it's good. Y- y- you know, that that's the first. I mean, we've had a lot of people uh, send some really great stuff, and I'll send it over to my uh, Sean in, in my art department and say, hey, hit this kid up. I mean, this, this stuff is awesome. 
you know, if, if you're going very specific for a specific artist, you know, look at what either their management or their merch company is. And those are the people you're going to want to reach out to. Now, it might not be as easy to find the right person at the merch company, as I'm sure most managers are listed to some degree. We, we have a general form, you know, we're, and honestly, ever since the company started and I was doing customer service, my email floats out there pretty easily. But, you know, if you have some designs and you send them over, I'll, I'll be honest, don't write a huge email. I ain't going to read it. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, if it's, hey, I, I, I want to do some art for you. I have some examples here and, and they're in there. That, that's going to be the quickest thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, to be honest, like, and I think any merch company is like this. Uh, and this is before we even get to retail. Once retail comes in, it's different. But we just absolutely devour art. Uh, we have five people in house. We have about four freelance that we regularly use and we have some animators and things like that. And I mean, we're always looking for more. So whether you're looking specifically to work with, with one artist, because you really want to do their merch fine. Otherwise, if you're just looking, make a nice PDF portfolio. Don't go crazy with EPK kind of, you, you know, stuff. It's just like, just, just like music, your art's going to speak for itself. And if the, the design is, you know, sick, um, you know, someone will probably reach out. You don't That's make great advice. come out and do like a showcase in a dark room with their their stuff on a PowerPoint. They have to stay uh, in there on stage. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna set up Photoshop on the stage and project your screen up there. And yeah, fifteen uh, minutes yeah. design something amazing. I'll yeah. do this for this. Sounds great, actually. Can I be a part of this when it happens? Even this could if it's be a theoretic? TV show right now. A great design off. Better buy the URL right now because uh, you got Mark <laughs> and me in the room, and we both love businesses and ideas. So uh, the great British design off. It's like kind of like the Bake Off, but you know, it's just like more art focused. It's got like the Google domain and, and name app. Yeah, and just British. like purchased already. British. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, that was our question. Um, thank you for coming on, Mark. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Hey, this is fun. Thanks for having me. I, it, honestly, it's almost more exciting just to be able to catch up with two friends I haven't talked to in fucking forever. So, I mean, it's uh, it's it's been it's been great, and I appreciate it. I think that I need to do a better job of keeping in touch with like, hey, they'd be a cool guest on the podcast. Hey, I should probably just keep in touch with them better as well. <laughs> like, hey, they're my they're a great person. I really wonder what they're doing with touring. I see usually tour related people like once a year. That's but the without thing, it, is like I'm used to touring and you like run into random people and you're like, oh, we get to catch up. This is great. And then it's like ever since touring went away, it's just like, I don't know anyone. It's or like, Mark gets a cool job that doesn't involve touring anymore and yeah. don't see him. Yeah, it's your yeah, I make fault. it out to like I make it out to a few shows a year. Okay. <laughs> we're gonna have some hey, but, I will say this, Mark. There's no exclusive, but we're gonna have shows before the end of the year. And hopefully we'll be in LA and we can hang out and come and just like yeah. stand in the corner. We'll have someone ask you who you are. <laughs> And yeah, then when you say I'm motherfucking Mark Bub, and then we're going to like all shoot off party poppers. And then we're going to be like, that was a prank. We got you, Mark. Let's go. And then we're just going to have fun from there on. It's going to be great. I love it. Uh, I, I think you guys are doing some of the Wimmer festivals they announced. And I'll be, I'll be doing those too. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, have we'll be able to catch up on the East Coast. Yes. Yes. Perfect. Okay, wait. We'll bring Adam. Yeah, I'll come hang. I don't <laughs> yeah. Can I come on tour? We'll just shoot a podcast that day, Neil. Uh, wait, Neil, hit him with a good question. Uh, so when you did tour, did you use shower shoes or not? Is this is this like an official question? Yeah, <laughs> we yeah asked, I mean, oh. you know, it's something we really like to know about our guests. Uh, and I think it says like even deeper about who they are as a person. You know, you know those uh, types of questions. On 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 Warp tour, I did. Oh God, yeah. Well, well, it depends. I mean, shower shoes. 
like flip like flops. flops, flip yeah, flops yeah. in the I shower. Flip flops. I, I used flip flops in uh, on Warp Tour, and this is gonna sound bougie, but all the other touring I did, I got hotels. So, hey, <laughs> so, well, so that, I respect that. <laughs> One way or another, whether it was whether whether it was paid for by Tony or uh, or is just the other the other tours I was doing. All right, thanks for having me, Kevin. Take it away, bro.